0: Welcome to Script to Screen's Talks podcast. Script to Screen is a charitable organisation dedicated to developing the craft and culture of storytelling for the screen in Aotearoa, New Zealand. Part of our annual programme, the Talks series, brings the creative community together to hear inspirational speakers delve into their creative process, craft, philosophy, or the broader creative landscape. In July 2019, entertainment lawyer, Sarah Cull, spoke to film distributors, Mark Chamberlain from Transmission, Andrew Cousins from Madman, Nigel Forsyth from Studio Canal, and Kevin Gordon from Realta Distribution about what they look for in a project and why. Topics covered include genre and story elements, creative team, and at what stage of development they like to get on board.
1: Hi, I'm Sarah Cull. It's my job tonight to (coughs) moderate this talk which means I'm not allowed to let any one of you talk more than the others. So, That could be hard. Okay, well, I'll let these guys introduce themselves, and then we will talk about distribution, the business of distribution, um, what they are looking for from you, the filmmakers, and then the changing face of distribution in New Zealand and the world. Um, And at the end, there'll be time for... Q&A. So shall we kick off with Andrew Cousins from Madman? Hello. Oh, am I right?
2: I'm the marketing and sales executive for Madman. I've been at Madman for eight years now, initially working on the DVD side of the business before moving into theatrical in 2014. I oversee the marketing, publicity and advertising end of our releases. In the five years I've been working in cinema distribution, I've had the pleasure of working on hundreds of films in varying capacities, including the major New Zealand films Hunt for the Wilderpeople, The Breaker Operas, and more recently The Chills, The Triumph and Tragedy of Martin Phillips. Some other recent highlights include this year's Oscar winner for Best Documentary, Free Solo, and The Palm Door-winning Parasite, which is in cinemas now. For those of you not familiar with Mad Men, we're a full service Indie distributor that licenses all rights for a film covering Australia, New Zealand, and the Pacific Island territories. That means we handle sales and distribution on your behalf across cinemas, festivals, online, DVD, airlines, TV sales, hotels, basically any platform where we can monetize your content for you. We have a small office in Auckland and a much larger office in Melbourne where all of our home entertainment encoding, authoring, and replication happens. Madman also operates three major subscription streaming platforms, Anime Lab, Doc Play, and Garage, which specialise in anime, documentaries, and action-adventure <laughs> sports, respectively. <laughs> Lastly, I thought I'd mention the current New Zealand films we have in our roster, This Town, Savage, Baby Done, The Legend of Baron Toa, Guns Akimbo, and The Justice of Bunny King.
1: Thanks, Mark. I mean, Andrew. <laughs> Nigel, you're next. Um, Nigel Forsyth, General Manager, Sales and Acquisitions, Studio Canal. Thank you.
3: So um, I'm not as prepared as Andrew. As you can see, I don't have a piece of paper in front of me. But um, we, I represent Studio Canal's interest in this part of the world. We are one of the biggest, if not the biggest, um, independent distributors and acquirers of content in Europe. We are represented in Germany, the UK, Paris, Australia, and New Zealand. So my job is to look after the local acquisitions uh, from an acquisitions perspective right through to the sales, into cinemas, and then um, every, I guess, to coin Andrew's phrase, full-service part of the business through Home Ent and other ancillaries. Um, we have uh, one of the biggest back catalogues of independent films of any major or independent uh, distribution agency in the world, and we're always looking to grow on that. Thank you. So
1: next, next along is... Kevin Gordon, sales manager Rialto.
4: Thanks everyone for coming along. So look at Rialto, we've been operating out of New Zealand, New Zealand owned company for 30 plus years and uh, I've been working there for seven of those. So we distribute some of the biggest numbers of New Zealand films in the marketplace. Um, in August we've got um, Herb's Songs of Freedom, uh, For My Father's Kingdom and Dan Carter at Perfect Ten. Um, so some three pretty big New Zealand releases coming up for us. So we're pretty deep in the marketplace. Um, we understand the audiences really well. I've been working there for seven years as a sales manager, and before that working in exhibition, so uh, projection, marketing. Um, so right from the ticket stub to seeing scripts. So
5: yeah.
1: And finally, we've got Mark Chamberlain, General Manager, Transmission Films, New Zealand.
5: Hi, everybody. Uh, I've been with Transmission. For about three years now, we're kind of purveyors of what is known as comfort cinema. We do that really well. Um, comfort cinema being sort of anything from with like the Judy Dench's, the Maggie Smith, um, sort of catering to a, to an older market. The Kiwi films we also have a we've had a very good slate of Kiwi films in the past. Um, I worked at Madman prior with Andrew. We worked together on uh, Hunt for the Wilder people, releasing that one. Uh, Transmission has also been associated with Chasing Great my year with Helen. We also uh, released Daffodils this year. Currently, I am working on releasing Bellbird, um, which had an absolutely amazing response at the Sydney Film Festival a couple of weeks ago. Um, yeah, we, we were kind of eclectic, I guess, probably in the type of films that we release. Uh, it's a Sydney-based company, been going for about 10 years now. The office in Auckland has been going probably for about four.
1: Thanks, Mark. All right, so that's um, about yourself and your company. So the next thing I think would be interesting to find out about is what type of projects are you looking for? And I'm thinking genre, talent, uh, are you interested in documentaries? Some of you already mentioned some, so obviously. Um, any, any specifics that you can uh, share with us about what you're looking for? And we'll just start with you, Andrew, and we'll go, go down if that's all right.
2: I wouldn't say we're overly prescriptive on what exactly we're looking for. The only kind of two genres that we don't really play in is kids' films and horror films just because they're quite hard to get off the ground here in New Zealand, but um, I mean Madman's core is documentaries and upmarket uh, art house product, so films that play to that audience uh, get put to the front of the queue, I guess. Plus. Uh, New Zealand comedies. They've proven rather yeah. successful for us in the past. So.
1: Okay, so what have we got? Up Market.
2: Arthouse. Arthouse. Dramas, dramas, documentaries.
1: Documentaries and Kiwi comedies. Yeah. OK, sounds good. Not many of those around. No. <laughs> and you, Nigel, what about, what's, what's Studio Canal looking for? Because you're a little bit different.
3: Yeah, we look, we have a very diverse slate, and, and we have a lot of output de- uh, deals globally, which bring us uh, anything from horror right the, ra- right the way through to pure art house. But I guess first and foremost on the local front, we're looking for films that have heart, films that have um, a solid story behind them that audiences can connect with. One of the other things that, that we would probably be a wee bit more prescriptive about is where there's gaps uh, in in sort of supply, not only from our perspective, but also from an industry perspective. So um, lots of films that cater to a a sort of 35 to 45 female plus skew um, tend to be underrepresented here at the moment. So that would be first and foremost we'd be looking to fill some gaps. But again, it's not necessarily prescriptive by any means whatsoever. Um, We're open to anything that has heart, essentially.
1: Thanks, Nigel. Just out of interest, what Studio Canal have you, what Kiwi films have you sort of done over the last few years? Uh, the
3: last one we did was Pork Pie. Right. Mm.
1: Okay, thanks. Kevin.
4: It's <laughs> 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 um, a good question. We don't we don't discriminate by genre. So, you know, we've done some some cool thrillers in the past, like It Follows, and we've got a um, kids' film coming up um, called Mosley, which is an animated film starring Reese Darby. So I think what we do discriminate, though, is within each genre there's definitely films that know their audience and work for their audience within that genre. And then there's films that... So it can go both ways, basically. Moseley's a great one. It's got a great cast for, for, for their audience, and it's a really fun, entertaining film at its core. And that's why it's gonna, you know, we, we, we got on board and we backed it. Um, you know, if it was a kid's film, an animated film, that was quite dark in nature, really challenging for, the, for kids. Um, You know, that would be a different story. So I think if that answers the question, if, you know, I wouldn't sort of rule a line through anything just on the genre at the top of the page, but we'd look into it and how the audience might react to that.
1: And you do documentaries?
4: Documentaries, we love documentaries. Um, We had a great one uh, recently, No Ordinary Sheila, For My Father's Kingdom, is the first Tongan documentary that's coming up. Um, You know, and that's one that's going to be really quite a a massive, um, you know, experience for that culture in cinemas. yeah, totally. There's documentaries that finance audience and know how to, you know, speak, to speak to the audience. that go and watch documentaries or within those certain uh, markets that they're targeting.
5: That's fantastic. Yep.
1: Great, thank you. And Mark, what uh, are you looking for?
5: Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a really interesting question. And I guess probably the best way to answer it is to probably elaborate more on, on Nigel and Kevin's uh, responses. I mean, first up, I guess, with transmission, um, it's We're not horror. I don't think it works for us. Um, documentaries, yes, but you've got to really look at documentaries because there's just so much competition out there now, you know, with, with the with the streaming services and the Netflixes. Um, I guess, in a sense, it's probably more like an old-fashioned approach is that, you know, read the script or read the script and then... Sort of try and imagine the world that the that the, the scriptwriter has done, um, and the characters in the story, and then I this the, and this is it, what I do personally, and then just kind of just look at the characters and study them, and then um, I also try and imagine who I'd probably think would be in the role, and then have a look and sort of think, well, okay, does that actually fit? Does that compare with anything that we have released in the past? And is that is that something that I can kind of have a case study on and sort of get behind? And also, would I? I guess, in my respect, would I pay to go and see that film? Um, would I pay, the, you know, an admission price for that? And is it going to be a film that's going to be, you know, a very wide release or a very niche release? Is it actually does does the person or the the filmmakers actually want to make a commercial film?
1: Can I just ask you a question? What would make you want to pay to go and see a film? Like, what are some factors?
5: Oh, I think first and foremost, it's probably proven with most of us, if it's what you call an audience film that you can really engage the audience with and that that you know how you feel when you read it and basically you kind of, and, and you know, we've all sat in, sat in films with audiences and we've seen how audiences react and so I guess you kind of take that um, because basically at the end of the day, we've got to make that decision whether we're going to take that film on board. And so you want to kind of feel the essence of it. And and also you've got to accord some respect to the people that are writing that because, you know, they're they're giving you a story. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, so I guess at the end of the day, if it kind of fits all those elements and you feel something and you kind of think, yeah, actually, you know what? That does fit the transmission brand. Or it might not, but then it might go, well, actually, you know, one of my, (coughs) my respected colleagues here, it might be right up their street as well. So it's just kind of... Getting that feel and that kind of essence for it, you know.
1: So it's a you, you, it makes you feel something, and it's, it's yeah brings out some emotion and it's yeah a, and a bit of excitement. Or... Nigel said something with heart. Yeah, mm. yeah, totally, totally. Okay, great. Well, that sort of segues into the next question, which is your audience. Do you have a particular audience? Um, you mentioned women over forty. That's me. Um, La- you know, they had this talk in Auckland two years ago and they said woman over 50, so. I
3: think it's still a market that's reasonably underrepresented in terms of product and product flow. So there's, there is, certainly from our perspective, we see a gap in the market for
5: the for product that will appeal to that audience and age group.
1: What about you, Mark, audience? Yeah, I
5: agree, I agree. I mean, for us really, any, you know, the 35 plus sort of female orientated market, I mean, you're perfect. transmission absolutely (laughs) because because you respond and an old and older audiences for us they go to the cinema religiously every week once or twice a week you know um and so that midweek business i think for for a lot of us here if not all for all of us is actually really you know, quite important for Midway us. Week business, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, you know, a, a few movies that we've released. You know, like a, a, the Judy Dench, you know, the Red Joan, and all those sort of things. Those British things. Yeah. They do great business yeah. during the week. Absolutely amazing ah. business during the week. So you know that audience, and you know you you begin to know what they like. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and you know, quite often they actually know. Um, they know your films, and they know who you know, where you are, and who you're from.
1: They I mean, can trust your films. Yeah, yeah. totally, mm. totally. Yeah. What about you, Andrew? What's your audience? Who's your audience?
2: Uh, we have similar audiences to Transmission. I mean, we love documentaries, and our whole thing is uh, remarkable films, films which will leave like social change or really impact you in some way. Um, Free, got, free
1: solo was a pretty good line there.
2: Yeah, well, and documentaries themselves have their own kind of inbuilt audience. Like free solo, we spent a lot of time finding all the rock climbing gyms around the country. I mean, they're they're kind of easier in a way because you know exactly who the audience is for a lot of those films, so you can just go directly to them. And especially now with like social media and targeted advertising, you can just type in all the the keywords around that particular interest that we might be releasing and um, talk directly to them. Yeah,
1: amazing. What about you, Kevin? Who's your audience? Um, Is it sp- older woman? Uh, <laughs> 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 Never rule out the older woman. I think that
4: uh, <laughs> there's definitely um, certain box office, easy box office, if you might want to call it that way, and then there's hard box office. So, you know, targeting um, male farmers, rural farmers. You know, it's going to be a lot of work to get them to the cinema. Yeah, you're going to. Bellbird.
1: you Bellbird. Yes. You're going for farmers. Yes.
5: Yeah. Absolutely. That's the core. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The regions. The regions for Bellbird are the core. Yeah. Sorry, Kevin. Yeah. No, that's okay. Just created a rift here. <laughs> <laughs> <As,
4: laughs> It's definitely, it's, it's definitely harder to get them in because you've got to change some of their uh, behaviour. Oh, yeah. yeah it's, not, it's, absolutely. it's not that they won't go to the cinema. I mean, we had a, um, a, a film um, last year called Spitfire, which I think uh, it's a documentary about a war plane, you know, pretty good plane, but it's hard to get older males above the age of 65 and 70 to go to the cinema, mm-hmm. you know. And, and at the end of the day, though, that, um, that documentary was, I think, in the top five box office, um, you know, uh, for the year. So it's possible, it's just a lot harder, but definitely this is why we're all focused on, on females 40 plus. Um, because it's that's easy. Def- they make and, and <laughs>
1: well,
4: they, make the they bring yeah. the males as well. Well, that's yeah. the thing. They, they make, bring the males. They right? make the purchase decision. Yeah, absolutely. And they, they they bring their friends too. So, um, you know, girls' night outs, um, early evenings, daytime audiences, cross the board. Cinemas love them. And there's definitely mm. there's more product that could cater for that audience. Mm.
1: That's interesting. So, yeah,
4: we so.
2: do have another completely different audience that is one of the cause of Madman's business, and that's our anime bands, but I neglected to mention that. do you show
1: that in cinemas?
2: Yeah. Um, We do more now than ever. Um, We released one last year, Your Name, which is actually the highest grossing anime film of all time now. Made more money than Spirited Away and that guy's got another film coming out later this year, but that is a very different audience to uh, 40 plus women. But But there's not many New Zealand New Zealanders making I know one. that sort of anime. <laughs>
1: anyway, um, another question which is sort of along the lines of this is, with filmmakers who want to approach you to get you involved with their project, at what stage of the process should they contact you and how should they contact you? What do you want to see which will help you make a decision? Start right. with you, Andrew.
2: Well, we, d- we do have a like, generic submissions box in our email, but if people are smart enough, I'm pretty sure the Film Commission has a section on their website with a listing of all the distributors and who you need to talk to if you have a film. And if you email me or Luke up in our office directly, then you're far more likely to get a response than just going to a generic submissions inbox. And what was the, the other part of the question?
1: So you said that's the at way to do, do it, do but at what on? point? Do they have to have an idea, um, a treatment, a script, a full for- draft? Generally,
2: at script stage, for a lot early
1: of, early script <coughs> uh
2: maybe not first draft i mean the key thing <laughs> the key thing we're looking at other than if if the script is actually any good is the cast or well, maybe not the cast but like the people attached to the film at that point who the producer is who the director is i mean we don't actually deal with directors directly very often, it's usually the producers who come to us on behalf of the uh, filmmaking team with a project, because they're putting together all the money to finance Mm. it. That's
1: interesting. What do you guys think? Is it sort of, are you the same, or do you like to get involved earlier than that at all?
2: I think from our perspective,
3: uh, it's more about the project itself. So timing isn't necessarily um, a deal breaker for us. If, If there's a concept that we like the look and feel of, we would like to hear about that earlier rather than later. But I don't, I mean I think ideally we'd love to have a finished script arrive on our desk and away we go because it takes a lot of angst and a lot of time out of it. But if it's a project that uh, we can engage with from the start and think there's something there, we would follow it right from the word go. Um, treatment stage or, or you know concept stage. Um, I think the one key thing for us as a distributor though is having people pitch projects where they're very certain about the audience, who the target audience is for their product. And, and their pitch and where that's gonna sit, um, you will lose us straight away if you turn up and say, I've got a film for everybody. It's very rare that you'll find a, what we term a four-quadrant film come to market and be pitched. It's it's really helpful for us to know that you understand your audience, who it's for and where it's being pitched, and at that point in time, um, I guess it's you know, kind of a, a tick in the box, potentially.
1: Yeah, we hear that a lot, and I'm just gonna ask a sort of stupid question. For someone starting out in the filmmaking business, they think they've got a film that will appeal to everybody, perhaps, but how do they, what process do they go through to figure out who their audience really is?
3: Uh, That's a tough question, and I I don't know, to be honest. It's a tough one, really tough one. I think being aware of audiences and what audiences are consuming in cinemas is probably a good start, Um, and being able to align your project or your story with like-minded films or films that you think might align it's probably the best way to start. Right,
1: so look, looking at films Com- which competitive, they... Competitive. Comparing, comparing yeah, films yeah. coming up Comparison with different references and, and saying, this is a halfway between this and this, and I think hmm. you know, it'll appeal to the same audiences as this film. That's helpful.
3: It's probably the best place to start.
4: I totally agree. I, I, one big recommendation I would have is that you do look at what other films have done, their performance in the marketplace, and that information, you know, is, um, the Film Commission have that information as well as it's quite, most of it's quite easily available. Um, whether that be international box office for similar titles, and you can kind of deduce what's that, that's done here. And for New Zealand Films, as I said, the, the Film Commission have that information. Being aware of how films are performing throughout the last sort of five years is, is really, you know, the, the experience that you guys will gain in, in understanding what's, what people are reacting to is huge because not only is it the, the genre of the film and, and it's what they've done marketing wise as well. You'll know, you, you remember seeing things in certain areas where it's social media and TV and you'll you, you understand about how people are reacting and what that's resulting in in terms of box office. and. Um, just to go back to the earlier question, is we, we do like having um, you know, a producer on board when concepts come to us um, and it can be from a very concept stage because that's the information to be able to bounce off them and, and, and you can come with uh, an audience plan to us, which is what we like to see. Um, as Nigel said, coming to us and saying, I think it's going to play to everybody, it's a great film, is, is very different from having this is what our audiences are, this is their behaviour and this is how we're going to get in front of them and we know it works from these other titles.
1: Right, that's interesting. So that's quite specific. This is our audience. This is when they go to the movies. This is how they respond and quite specific. And that will help. Okay, that's really interesting. Can I Yes please? Can I, have a Kevin? I mean Andrew. <laughs> uh,
2: I'm, 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 I'm I'm believe the Film Commission is part of like the application process. It does make you go through like an audience engagement strategy to help kind of focus your audience before you start making the film and I know loading docs also require all of their short filmmakers to kind of crowdfund before they start the production, and that whole process of crowdfunding, it does help them kind of work out what their audience is in the process of doing it.
1: That's sort of just wondering about the audience engagement plan, though. Jazz, at what stage do they need to fill that out? Oh, production. production funding. There
5: are yeah. people around, actually. Is Chris Matthews here? Ah, hi, Chris. That's someone who does audience engagement plans. Chris oh. does them. Oh, um, he and, could, you and can they hire are, him becoming, to do it for yeah, you. Well they, well, they are becoming, I mean, it's, you know, just echoing um, the guys as well. It's really essential, you know, to actually know who your audience is going to be. Who are you writing for? Who's your script writing for? Um, and and it, it's just also the criteria. and you know, also just elaborating more on what Kevin was saying, is following campaigns for Kiwi films, whether they're large or small, and it's just having a look and just seeing what's being done. Um, but, you know, people like Christopher, you know, who can, who can do an audience engagement plan can actually really do quite a significant amount of work to actually kickstart that whole process off. interesting, yeah. I didn't know
1: that. And of course, Film Commission, you've got a lot of stats on your website haven't you, about box office of New Zealand Films over many years, and that's always a good place to look for what's worked, what hasn't worked so well. I, and I guess I wonder if that's a good opportunity to ask you guys if you are can share with us any, any experiences, any films that have worked really well for you, and if you know why, why, and ones that haven't worked for you. And, um, you know, feel free to give us the general gist of it or, or details, up to you. Um, what do you think?
2: Well, we tend to move past the ones that didn't work fairly quickly (laughs) and move on. Um, I mean, we've had a few duds this year. Fox Lux didn't work for us, neither did the Hummingbird Project, and for that one, the writing was kind of on the wall because it had already opened in America disastrously, opened in Australia not particularly great. The reviews weren't great, and a lot of exhibitors will always be lazy and just look at the Rotten Tomatoes score and say, I'm not booking the film because it's got a bad... Rotten Tomatoes score.
1: Who was that? Exhibitors?
2: Yeah, some. Not they naming, look at not Rotten Tomatoes. Not names. But. <laughs> and because the film hadn't done well overseas, the talent weren't really willing to support it, and getting support from talent can make such a huge difference because the amount of like, media value we get out of publicity relative to like, paying for advertising. I mean, we're independent. We don't have endless amounts of money to put into TV and all that, so if the talent aren't supporting the film, then it's really to its disadvantage. In some films like that, you just look at it and it feels like, yeah, it was a good film, but I could just watch that on Netflix on a Sunday night. And it's even harder these days to try and get the sort of result we might have got maybe five years ago for that sort of film. (coughs) Especially when there's more films than ever being released in cinemas, I think. (coughs) At the uh, movie convention we were at last week, there were almost 500 films released in cinemas last year, so not to mention all the streaming platforms and other yeah. ways you can watch content. So yeah. it's, it really has to stand out to, to work. Mm-hmm. But more recently, one that has worked for us, I would well, Parasite, is out now and doing really well. And that was kind of a deliberate strategy of ours because, I mean, a lot of people just assumed that was gonna go into the film festival because it won the Palme d'Or and they usually get it. But we knew that it was opening in Korea on the end of May and the festival wasn't until July and I'm pretty sure Korea has shortened windows to SFODs, so we were worried that if we held it back, we would lose the native Korean audience of piracy, so we rushed it out, got it out last week, this week, and the first two, uh, top two cinemas in the marketplace are both uh, traditional kind of where the Korean audience goes, so yeah, that's, in that New one's Zealand. doing well
1: for us. Yeah. yeah, wow, interesting. Anyone else got any films, successes or, f- or fail, not such good successes oh. that they wanna share? <laughs> <laughs>
5: I think for us, Transmission, I think this year the proudest moment so far has been Daffodils, releasing Daffodils, Daffodils. which was just the most amazing ride to go on. Um, it was full on and it was never a dull moment and, you know, you, you, when, you're, when you're working on a, on a Kiwi film, someone said to me right from the very start that 70% of your working week, if you've got a Kiwi film releasing, that's what it will take. Um,
1: Sorry, seventy
5: percent of your working week on one film, on it's a Kiwi film, film. On, a, on a big Kiwi film, <gasps> easily because you've got so much going on. I mean, we we came back, we we found out just before Christmas we were releasing on March the twenty first, and we were going to have the premiere the week beforehand. We found out that we could get all three leads here, but only on in February, a month a month earlier on Valentine's Day. So. Virtually when we came back on January the 7th, we hit the ground running to make that happen. But so you it was, brought your was, release
1: forward? Did you bring the release forward or you just had... No, no, no. There the release date, as
5: it was, okay. the 20, uh, 21st. But it was it's just adrenaline, you know. It's just amazing. And then when you start getting feedback and you cover all the areas and you've got your budget to working on and you've got a great... Having a really good... Team of filmmakers who aren't egocentric, but just want to get in a muck and mm. and have a collaborative process where we just all do what we can to make the film work. Yeah. And, and that was that was really really exciting. Oh, awesome. And I'm really looking forward to *Bird* because we have virtually a, you know a, a wonderful team of filmmakers to that. The worst and the most overhyped for us last year probably would have had to have been *Suspiria*. You know, Luca Guadagnino's. Um, version of Suspiria, which everybody was waiting to see, and there was so much talk about it, and it was great to see that a you know uh, a 70s slasher horror film was going to be made, sort of very artistically and whatever, and everyone was 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 looking out for it, and and you know the screenings that we had, special event screenings, people were out there talking about it. It bombed, it absolutely bombed. I don't even think we I think we got about 85 85k out of it. And I still scratch my head to this very day, you know, that a film that could have so much credentials and you do a lot of work on and nobody comes to see. And, I mean, that's, and that's, that's the gamble. You know, you can do everything you possibly can to get a film to work. If the audience don't want to come. They won't come. Yeah, you know, they won't come. I think we're
3: all in a situation where we've all had some wins and some losses and that is, as Mark says, the nature of the game we're in. Um, I guess one of the key things is in the current environment we're in with streaming services picking up a lot of content and that traditional theatrical type of release getting harder and harder to get away, and an example of that is we can have anywhere between 8 and 10 films releasing in any given week on average in New Zealand. I mean, that's a significant number of films coming in, all vying for the same number of screens. So. I think, well, we've got about, is it 420 or something cinemas in New Zealand? Um, No, sorry, 400 and something screens, I think it is, is that right? Yeah, screens. 410. 410,
1: 420 screens. So when
3: you've got eight to ten movies a week coming into market, there's a lot of movies to try and fill screens, and it gets very congested. So for us now, it's more about the calculated risk associated with certain films or certain genres. We're always going to have the wins and the losses. It's just about making sure that you know, you're on the right side of the fence more than you ever have been before yeah. with all your modelling, and that's where understanding some of the comparison
5: titles that you might line your project up with is really, really relevant. It is survival, isn't it, it is, really? Yeah. It, can, it can get to a point where it is survival. I mean, fortunately, we're blessed with a lot of exhibitors that can, you know, they look at Kiwi films and we get a bit of relief on them, don't we, basically? Because sometimes you really are swimming with sharks out there. There's a, when you're saying that, that amount of films releasing a week... You know, you've know, got to perform, you've really got to perform because you, you're looking at it also from an ex- exhibition point of view and the box office dollar, you know, and it's the market shares of be all and end all. I think
4: that um, with, with, with that number of films being released per week, you've got to try and think about how the audiences think about that as well, which is they don't turn up to the cinema anymore and say, what should we see? Um, you know, they, they look online, they know the exact time they're going to go, they book in advance and they plan. So, you know, if, if, if we open a film in a, a four-screen cinema and it's number six for the opening weekend, by Monday morning, you know, you've got nothing you can do for week two. That's how brutal it is. Um, so, I mean, we want to be optimistic, of course, but um, this is the reality of the industry at the moment. There's a lot of films in the marketplace with the digital takeover. So we just, you really have to make sure your audience are doing that planning and are going to go on that opening weekend, and that's what we're Centering everything towards when we're doing a campaign.
2: Mm. I also say that choosing the right release date is a massive part of the film's success. Like we have a, a competitive release schedule so we can see who's releasing what film when, and it's very much like a chessboard, you're kind of analyzing which might be the best date, and I mean you don't want to open an upmarket film against five other upmarket films, you're looking for a date where you might be the only one or maybe two opening that week, so you're not in competition with a whole bunch of other Mm -hmm. distributors. And we also look at the films that are releasing before us because we want to trailer our film in front of those films. Mm -hmm. And we know from various surveys that the trailering in cinema is probably, besides word of mouth, the highest form of awareness for people when they talk about how they found out about the film. So choosing the right date and getting great trailer play from exhibitors is another yeah, key factor.
1: And I heard there was you refer to things as winter releases and summer releases, is that true? And what does that mean? I might handball that over. <laughs> Anyone? I was
3: actually just going to add to, to what Andrew, and Mark, and Kevin have said. I think all of this is, is actually an example of why it's really important to know your audience and know who your film or your project is going to end up appealing to and who you're pitching it to. All that can help. Um, and with it being so fragmented now in terms of path to market, if you don't know your audience and you're not, from day one, aware of your audience, it's just going to get harder and harder and harder to actually get into market.
1: Yeah, and that I was... I
3: think it all comes back to audience, basically.
1: It comes back to knowing your audience. Yep. Having a plan. That- that
5: seasonal that you're talking about, that's a comparison, you know, issue that you know that certain films, I think like with Guernsey, when you did the Guernsey literally, I mean, that was autumn winter, wasn't it? It was, Yeah. And, and that really then helped us when we were releasing Red Joan this year, sort of saying, well, oh, okay, Guernsey was last year, that was the same period, that did really, really well. Um, you know, you come into that sort of like autumn-y winter period, holidays are back, Christmas is well over, you know, so February, March, people are ready to go back in, the Oscar season's over, um, and, and for our market particularly anyway, um, and then you start looking at all, you know, at competitive titles, and we definitely, you know, because Guernsey did so well at that period of time, we sort of thought, oh, okay, that's a, that's a really good period. And so that's the seasonal aspect of it, you know, is looking, looking for a film that's pretty similar audience to yours and when it released and how it did.
1: A couple, of you, a couple of you have mentioned having a great team, filmmaker team, to help you with the release and to put energy into it and how that's really important. And you mentioned, Mark, that it's 70% of your week could be on one Kiwi film, which is I find amazing, actually. But it's great to see that they're so well supported. But... When you're looking at films, so you've got the script. I think it was you that mentioned you also look at who's attached, who's the producer, who who else is available. Maybe not. You don't know all of the cast or yet, but you want to know that the, uh, there's a good team behind it. How important is that to you? And and
2: I mean, to be like brutally honest, we would very rarely take on a film which didn't have any kind of cast, producer, director attachment with some sort of major credit before them. I mean. We've taken on the justice of uh, Bunny King. I'm pretty sure that's a first-time feature director, but uh, the producer on that film is highly experienced, and we know that she can get results. So, yeah, it's it's key for us.
1: And that's important when you're selecting the film and when you're releasing it. You need to know that the team's there and that the talent can be maybe available and turn up and that.
2: Yeah, that's, I mean, it's hugely important that hugely the talent important. is behind the film. I mean, Madeline and Jackie did so much publicity for the Breaker operas. Wouldn't have got anywhere near the result we did if they were, like, busy making another film. Mm-hmm. So, like, kind of planning or knowing what their your actors' schedules will be like around the release of the film and making sure they're available to support it in some capacity. Um, it's hugely important.
1: And a lot of that's just um, goodwill. They're not yeah. actually I mean, they're contractually they're obliged no, to do a lot of that.
2: not. Yeah. Rarely, I think.
1: It's goodwill and it's in their interests if they want to but it's it's a lot of time.
2: Yeah, and full credit to them. They put yeah. a lot of uh, took out a lot of their time to support the film.
1: Yeah. Anything else you guys want to add? I think one of the or things I'll I'll ask to, you
3: a I was just gonna say from my perspective, um don't be afraid to come to distributors and ask questions. Um it, it's while well, we're busy people and as Mark was saying, you know, quite often on a kiwi film seventy percent of your week and some can be taken up, working it. Um, We would always, well, speaking from my perspective, we'd always welcome people asking questions about the process. Um, That's what we're there for, I mean, it's important for us to be able to take films to market with confidence and know that we've got a shot at getting some great results. And we'd rather provide the information we can to make sure that everything's got the best opportunity to do that and hit market. So, I mean, certainly I don't want to be bombarded with how many of you have, what, 146 scripts or anything this evening. But by all means, you know, if there are questions or these things that don't kind of make sense, it is worth reaching out and just asking those questions and becoming a bit more informed about stuff.
2: Just to elaborate on Mark's comment that a New Zealand film takes 70% of our week. I mean, a lot of it is with international films, we might be releasing something which is being released in America, UK, Australia. A lot of the time we inherit the trailer, the poster. Mm -hmm. All of the assets are created for us, whereas for New Zealand films, we're always creating the poster, trailer, social media assets. Everything's created from scratch, and it costs a lot more, and it takes a lot more time. Mm -hmm. And you're dealing with the stakeholders directly, the producers, whereas we're kind of shielded somewhat from that on international films because it's either the Australian office or... Just the license all that we're dealing with, so it's just a lot more
5: stakeholder management on the films. Yeah. But at the all same time, oh, We have different views too, don't we? Because yeah. I mean, we 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 look at it a lot of the time as a as a first and foremost, I guess, commercial venture. You know, we've got to get box office basically out of that. And so, you know, your assets like your trailers and your and your posters and TV spots, etc. You know, you've got to have a, a very commercial appeal, which can sometimes conflict with the filmmaker's visual, artistic look of a poster. And you will get something in, you know, you, they'll say, oh, yeah, but but, but it looks so good. It's like, well, yeah, but it's going to be in a cinema box, in a cinema. And people are going to be coming out and looking at that. And you've got to be attracted because there's a whole lot of other boxes down there with all sorts of films, from major studios to anyone, you know, and it's competitive. You're in a, And there's your competitive environment, and it's a bit art gallery-ish looking, you know what I mean? But you, you, that's 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 the whole thing that we work on, is basically we look at things, and it's it's the commercial aspect of it, you know? You know
1: we've talked a lot about, you just mentioned box office. It's all about the money, making money at box office. Mm-hmm. But what about what comes after box office? What's happening in that space with... Um, Transactional Video On Demand, SVOD, Home Entertainment, is that still around, you know, what are you guys seeing there?
2: We still sell DVDs. There's still a handful of video shops around, but it's nothing like (laughs) like it used to be. I mean, RO Video's still going. (laughs) (laughs) Alice Alice in Christchurch. um, But yeah, I mean, DVD has been in decline since probably 2011. Uh, but it's still we still make a decent amount out of it. Um, iTunes, there's a decent amount of money on digital as well. I mean, in Australia, I know some months now we will actually sell more on digital transactions than we do on physical discs these days, which is kind of sad in a way, but um, there's definitely more money for us on those platforms than streaming because the likes of Netflix, unless you're really lucky and they'll lay down millions of dollars, I mean, a lot of the films we're selling to them be lucky to get a few grand for a a couple of years out of them, so it's it's not huge amounts of money in streaming unless you're one of the the lucky ones who has a a buzz title at a festival that they really want to pick up global rights to.
3: I think ancillary revenue is really important and it always has been, it's always been part of that kind of value proposition that we put together. Um, I think people are just starting to now consume the content in different ways. Instead of the, the DVD world, we're now talking about an online platform that people are going to. So um, it, I guess it's just a different way of people accessing the consumer, accessing material. So it, it's still the TV sales and the um, VOD sales and yeah. airlines. They're all still incredibly important as part of the equation when we look at um, running modelling on films and acquisitions. And I think, well, hopefully, uh, they always will be. They're an important piece.
4: Yeah, my, my advice would be to um, try and get the most value out of all of the different platforms that you can. So it wouldn't be to, you know, if, you, if you're making a film that's going to perform 90% of its business on Netflix, you know, it is going to be harder getting a distributor because you're putting your eggs in one basket. And um, in all honesty, New Zealand doesn't have a huge home entertainment market. So if it's a film that will appeal across Australasia or internationally, that's a different story. But I mean, the money that we're getting from, um, from Netflix or or any of those other, um, you know, iTunes, et cetera, they just won't be able to support us putting some upfront, uh, enough upfront money down uh, in reality. So my advice would be to identify the, try and, you know, get all the different audiences on the different platforms as much as you can to give yourself the best possible chance of getting your film produced.
1: Yeah, and at, at the Auckland talk a couple of years ago, Kelly mentioned a film that, didn't do so well at the box office or did reasonably well in New Zealand but then got a great Netflix sale. What was that one? I can't remember. Was, yes, was oh, it was Gary, Gary of the Pacific, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly,
4: yeah. And I mean, also we have to consider as well that that sale was based on a huge um, campaign theatrically. So when Netflix were considering how much money to put down for this film, they saw that there was already huge awareness in New Zealand, you know, with massive TV campaign, you know, outdoor bus backs, um, and that played into it. So, you know, the performance theatrically was still really important to
1: be able to set it up for those platforms as well. Cool. Okay, we'd we better open it up for some questions. So, if you raise your hand. Hello.
2: Um, hello, chaps. I was at the movie convention with you last week in Auckland and Peter Garner mentioned a couple of facts and figures which just wanted your feedback on. One was what you were talking about, Kevin. Uh, 483 films in New Zealand over the last 12 months. Um, some big tentpole. Uh, stuff out there, Um, one, that was up 15% from last year, so I'm interested in your thoughts around could the market end up being saturated, that number potentially is going to continue to rise, we've only got so many screens in this country, so um, what's going to happen there, and two, another really interesting fact for me was um, that Peter mentioned that those people who are streaming are also the most likely to go and see films in the cinema as well, so I'm just interested in your reactions on, on that too, and what that, how that plays into your strategies. So in terms
4: of the saturation question, uh, it's already saturated, especially with certain audiences. Um, there's a saturation definitely for male audiences in the cinema. And that's because there's a lot of content coming through some of these, these studios, and they want to set it up for their home entertainment. Um, from an exi- exhibition point of view, no one likes to miss out. You know, no one wants to be the guy that, does, that didn't get that big film. You know, and if you don't get it on opening weekend, you miss out on 50% or more of its box office, especially if it is a male-skewing film, rush out and see. Um, so it's probably going to continue like this for a while. Um, and we're experiencing, not all of us here have experienced our films being pushed back or being forced to move a date because of this congestion coming through. Um, including the studios as well, but you know, and they're all under equal amounts of pressure. It's just going to continue like that for a while, I think, and l- until we have a really sustainable home entertainment model in New Zealand that can deliver really good upfront um, dollars, which I'm not sure when that might be. Um, potentially when Amazon get here and that competition comes across, and you know, um, so what was the second question? Sorry, I've gone on a rant. About streaming, uh, streaming audience, watching. yeah. I think that. Um, there's definitely not a separation of audiences. They're, they're, they're not mutually exclusive. It's, I think what's happened is you're definitely seeing other home entertainment platforms diminish and... It's obvious, you know, Sky being hit by Netflix. Theatrical is not. Theatrical is staying quite stable year on year. And that's not because of the extra product that's coming in. That's just because that audience liked that entertainment format and they're still going to continue to choose that, which is really positive from our point of view. And this is why we, you know, we continually want to find and hit these audiences as much as we can.
5: I mean, that's that's our responsibility, I guess, as a, as a distributor, is that we've just got to focus on doing what we can to keep bringing people out and having the, having having the you know, the, the big screen experience. We've, you know, as Kevin said, we've always been aware that, you know, the market is saturated and it is a constant struggle, but you've just, if, if I guess the, probably the point is that if you've got a film that you know is as good as anything from a studio or deserves a chance, we do go in to battle and, and do what we can to either A, get it in there at the right date, week by week, weekend by weekend, you know, getting with the exhibits and actually getting getting as much support as we possibly can. But as long as we've got the product to supply and as long as the exhibitors can actually make the experience of going to the cinema a really good one, Um, I think you you do get to a point where, you know, people do want to go and they do want to go and see films and that demand will always be there. And I mean, I think with with each of us, you know, we've kind of recognised our audiences because we know within that, you know, these people will come out to the cinema. I mean, taking your point about the convention, you know, you look at the major studios and you look at that timeline that they put up there. And you know, you look at the Universal one and it's like, crikey, there's so many films. Then you layer the Disney one on top of that. Then you layer Fox on top of that. Then you layer the Sony, the Hollywood studios. And then we, the independents, have to try and find some gaps <laughs> in between where we think that we're good enough that we can either get a decent run or that we can probably sustain a run. And it happens, it does happen. But yeah, it, it's 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 been saturated probably for quite a while, for quite a while now. And and that's that's the environment we're in, you know. Which again I think again is, is why that you know we, we really take a good holistic approach, I'd like to think, at scripts that are coming in, because the fact is and the whole audience engagement scenario, that's so important, because you're gonna about to step into a really competitive market. And and people like us, I mean, you know, we don't bite. We'll actually be, you know, we actually are very approachable. But there is honesty in there as well, and you need to know basically what the situation is and how the market will be and where you will fit in that if you choose to you know, go with that. And you know, if, you, if you want to make your film a commercial success, of course, or you want to make a cultural difference, do you, you know what I mean? Um, I think there's certainly no doubt that the market is saturated and we're all, every day, all of us are facing the challenges
3: mm-hmm. of going to market. I guess one of the positive things about that that is not necessarily always positive for us is that the consumer now has more choice than they've ever had before in terms of the product. We're seeing some really diverse films come to the market now. Cinema Asia, Bollywood, lots of documentaries, things that wouldn't normally get to come on screen. So I think the consumer is very lucky. But it's all about tempering that and putting that back into context. So when we have films that come up, we're pitching against all those films as well and trying to basically cater for the same audience and and steal the box office from that same audience. So there are definitely challenges there. One of the positives about the New Zealand market at the moment is we are seeing growth in box office year on year. I think last calendar year was the second highest grossing box office um, year on record for New Zealand, which is all great stuff, it's all positive. I guess it's the happy medium now between too many films and really saturating the market, but maintaining that growth and getting the number of people on an annual basis coming back through the doors. Exhibition are helping us on that front. They are investing in new cinemas and new builds, and they're refurbing cinemas. So the offer is as good as it's ever been. In some cases, it's probably better. But I think you know Mark and Kevin Duro's really good points about the market being saturated. So the balance, I guess, between too many films and and catering to the audience and growth, we haven't quite got right as an industry yet. Um, Should we do we another question?
0: Headlines. In terms of New Zealand um, films that might do well overseas, um, how much of your focus is, when a New Zealand film comes to you, is you looking at how it will do in the New Zealand market? And is it your responsibility then to pitch it to your subsidiaries overseas to, you know, work? I mean, have you got examples of films that have done well here and have travelled, or do you find that New Zealand films tend to only work here and not other places? Probably Nigel.
3: We want films to travel. Absolutely. It, it's a huge consideration when we're looking at scripts is, is the ability for films to travel internationally. More so now than ever before.
2: We, we make our money back on the Australian New Zealand release. I mean, Madman only operates in those territories, but I mean, it's, it's great for everyone if a film does succeed overseas. I mean, Hunt for the World of People got a major, major US release off the back of its uh, Sundance premiere and it also got a major release in the UK. I mean, we don't personally see any of that money but um, it's great to see. Um, yeah.
6: Any
1: more questions? Hello. Um, you kind of mentioned this, but what do you think is the most effective way
4: to convince someone to go out and buy a ticket for a movie, maybe a film they haven't heard about? Um, like you had mentioned, seeing the trailer. There's—is it press? Is it awards? Being in other film festivals? Social media? Like, how do you access the audience to get them the
1: information about a film they maybe don't know much about? Did you hear that? So, how,
5: how do you get someone to go to the cinema? It's, it's certainly everything that you've just mentioned. Um, anything, anything at all. I mean, for us specifically, as independents because, you know, unfortunately, in a lot of the cases, we don't have the luxury of big studio budgets to market the films or to do an ad pub campaign. So, we go for anything, um, basically. Um, everything that you've mentioned, we'll try and get talent tours if there's talent available. If they can't actually come out to try and get interviews, um, with them, you know, sort of either through radio or TV. Um, there's the poster, of course, there's social media in many ways, um, there's in a, anything that's innovative that you want to do on, on a promotional aspect, whether it's a special label, a special beer being brewed for a you know, promotion or, or anything, like, in, anything quite similar. Um, yeah, the, 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 I think direct, directly to the audience, what they're used to is the poster, the trailer, bus shelters, outdoor advertising, digital, Anything I've missed out? Yeah,
4: there's Uh. stuff, you know, the the engagement stuff like um, Q&A's, doing talent tours, um, like for example, for Dan Carter, you know, if he's at the cinema, people may not even want to see the film, they're going to go to the film. (laughs) Um, So any, you know, things that are audio-visual are really high engagement, social media really high engagement, it differs by audience as well. Pacifica audiences are really engaged socially, on social media. the more that you can kind of get somebody to connect with that film through your promotions, is you're, going to do, you're going to do better.
1: OK, yes. I think we've got time for one more question, no. so if you've got a
6: really good one. Um, oh, it's Alex, nice. producer. You've mentioned, um, a couple of you have mentioned oh. exhibitors a few times, so if I'm sort of thinking of the pyramid of filmmaking. You have filmmakers at the bottom who will die for their film, distributors who will do anything, if I'm quoting you, Mark. Exhibitors, then. Um, I'm wondering a little bit about how much room there is for uh, disruption, I think that's the word, in that space. Talking recently to my father, who is about to turn 80, back when he would have started seeing films, and there was always the first reel, the intermission, and then the rest of the film. Now, my father is an 80-year-old would like the intermission to come back. He's not so able to sit through an entire screening anymore. So while I ask the question as, you know, will exhibitors create more toilet breaks? It's not actually quite that basic a question, but give it a different question, but is there any room for disruption in that space with the exhibitors? It's ultimately where distribution lands is what will happen in the theatrical space with the exhibitors. So what's
1: going on with exhibitors and how do you interact with
4: them? Anyone? Yeah, yeah ex- exhibitors are almost a
1: machine like us.
4: And that if there's money, if there's box office there, they will, they'll, they'll, they'll do these things. Um, so, you know, we do a lot of special events, especially with New Zealand films, around kicking it off to create that sort of engagement. There's also a few other things that exhibitors do that's quite interesting, talk about intermissions, I mean, we distribute the Metropolitan Opera, they will have intermissions, National Theatre Live often have uh, intermissions, so there's that sort of space that exhibitors definitely, they work into, and there's some that are definitely better at doing events like that, I mean, I think it was um, for Medita. we did a and um, a Q&A with, um, I think there was about, sort of, uh, it was definitely her family members, Cliff Curtis was there, Chelsea Winstanley stanley and it, it was a fantastic event on a Sunday night on Mother's Day at the Roxy, and um, they did a um, sort of a afternoon tea event, and 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 uh, I think the project was there covering it. So that sort of stuff, they're definitely open to doing that. Um, if there's not money in them doing that sort of stuff, then then no. But that's quite a wide sort of variety of what they're willing to do quite
3: a bit. I, I think they're quite innovative in what they do do. <laughs> Intermission's maybe not on their radar um, at the moment, if, if at all. But the way they do bring things to market um, is quite innovative at times, and I think I- exhibition are wanting to do the right thing by films and kind of lead the charge, I guess. Um, certainly in our experience with some of the events that they've hosted for us, they've been very supportive.
5: And you, you're looking at two course. different trains of thought too, because you've got the majors, which is the, you know, the major chains, the Hoyts and event. Um, which kind of you know 95 percent of their movies are, are blockbusters their studio are blockbusters whereas you also have the independents um, who understand I mean we're very very much on the a, on a, on a same kind of level because most of their product is upmarket or arthouse art house films and like us they also realize that there's probably a lot of a lot of work that needs to go in to actually get the movie off the ground so they are very willing and very open to be innovative and work a lot closely with us yep. to actually make make that happen. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because mm-hmm. it, in in a lot of cases, and it's it's just the way that it is. You know, with with the with the majors, you tend to sort of think that there's a you know it's the market share and basically what they can get and how many sessions they can put in with a you know with a big film um, and and that sort of process and that wheels in motion. A lot of the independent exhibitors. Um, know particular films, they know the psyche of them, they know that certain films are really gonna to have to be looked after. That um, if they don't perform really well in the first couple of weeks, that's okay because they're gonna rely on word of okay. mouth. And so, yeah, We might delete sorry. it there, Mark, sorry. Yeah.
1: So, um, thank you very much. What are New Zealand distributors looking for? Fantastic scripts, scripts that make you feel something. Um, keen, uh, hardworking teams that can work with you. Just great projects. First. Audience Audience first. Get your audience audience. plan sorted. Yep. Thank you. So thank you so much um, to Kevin, (laughs) Nigel,
0: Andrew and Mark. The talk series is proudly supported by the New Zealand Film Commission, Foundation North, Images and Sound and White Studios. Music for the podcast was provided by Poddington Bear and voiceover is Lucy Wigmore.